This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So glad to be with you guys today. What a day today is as we wrap up officially 100% summertime. We move into the, to the new season of, of our calendar rhythm, not only as a culture here in South Florida, kids back, settled in school, you know, got through Labor Day weekend, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're now in the rhythm of life between now and May. And so we're, uh, you know, balancing our ministry calendar accordingly. And there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of stuff going on. So Next Sunday, the reason why Juan put such an emphasis on that Sunday, and really for the next six weeks um, starting next Sunday, we're in a key moment as a house. And there's some very, very, very important information that I want you guys all to hear. And if you have to like travel to Tahiti or somewhere, um, watch it online, okay? Like if you miss a Sunday, that's okay. We, we, we know that that we can't make it every Sunday here, and we're not trying to religiously, you know, you know, guilt you into that at all. It's just that this is a key, key time. So for the next six weeks, there's such important information that's being rolled out about next steps into our future, and we're actually launching what we're calling a one initiative. So this is my last, our last uh, uh, message on Servolution as we move into a sermon series on one and it's going to be very, very powerful, very, very profound. And I believe God's going to do something in us in a significant way. So really would love to have you there. Because as we launch out this one initiative, we're launching a fast as well for 40 days starting in, on September 10th. So that means no food or water for any of you for the next 40 days starting next Sunday. I'm totally kidding. Only Jesus can do that. Somebody say amen, right? Even just water is brutal. I think I did a 21-day fast one time, only water, and it about killed me. Can I get an amen? But no, it's a beautiful thing. Whatever that may look like for you, you know, just ask the Lord, hey, what do you want me to give up? Could be food, could be something else, so I can focus some, some time on you as we move into a season of prayer. How many of you know everything is foundationally built and established upon agreement with the Lord, hearing his voice? What is he saying to us? Yes and amen, and then moving forward. So this is going to be a key time as we move forward into um, this next season, which I'm extremely excited about. I'm extremely happy in seeing the grace of God and what he's doing for us. So today, here's what we're going to talk about for the remaining time that we have this morning. Um, I've titled it Growing Up Together. I think the Lord is really bringing maturity into our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus, and not only into us but into the body of Christ at large. How many of you know that the the heart of God for his church is to begin to grow up into maturity in him? It's very important. We're all in process. We're all in different phases of that process, which is okay. No one's better or further along than the other person. We're just all in our own process. But the process is unto something. It's to maturity in Jesus. Wisdom and knowledge of the Son of God. It's, it's, it's very, very important as we journey through this life. This is the only, only time we have to, to exercise faith and, and openness to our heart, to really receive things and insight from God. Um, because after this, it, it's going to look completely different. 
when we enter into to eternity, it's going to look completely different. So this is our one moment to uh, be fashioned in his image. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up with a, a scripture, and it'll be our jumping off scripture, and then we're just going to go into a few scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But this scripture kind of just emphasizes everything I want to speak to you guys about today, all right? If you're with me, um, it'll be on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 4, fix 16. It says this, it says, for his body, it's talking about the church. So when, when we're referring to the church, we should understand that the church is actually a body. It's, it's, a, it's a community of believers, locally, regionally, nationally, globally, that make up the collective nature of Jesus, who is the head over this thing. So he's speaking about the church. He says, the body has been formed in his image, I love this language, and is closely joined together and constantly connected as, would you say this word with me? One. This is massive. At the conclusion of my message today, we're actually going to take communion together because God is wanting to unite us in, in a specific, powerful way, maybe unlike any other time that we've ever walked with him and with each other. It's a moment that God is calling us to come together as one because as he has formed this body called the church, he is joining us, what does it say, closely together and constantly connecting us to one another because we are one. Look what he says as he continues here. I love this, and this is for you. You need to hear this. And every member of his body has been given divine gifts. What does it say here? To contribute to the growth of all. What's crazy about this, and I don't think we realize this, is that I can't grow without your contribution into my life. If you're not fully excelling in what God has for you in the giftings that he's given to you, what do you mean, Darren? I have giftings? Yes, you do. You have more giftings and, and things on the inside of you that are so valuable that no one else has. He wants to pull those forth out of your heart, which are already, they're already there, and he needs you to be activated, contributing in those gifts because it actually relates to the contribution of everybody else. The church, which is a part of the kingdom, is not a me, me, me reality. It's a collective community of people that have to need each other. That if we don't understand that, we're missing the whole point of what this thing called the church is all about. Is this all making sense? And as these gifts operate, look what he says, effectively, and he uses strong language here, throughout the whole body, Oh, I thought that was just from Kenyel, who, who in the team led just such a beautiful time of worship. No, it's, it's a collective thing that he's doing among every single member or part of the body. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, this is amazing. We are built up. And we are made, this is crazy to think about, but he says, Perfect in what? Love. 
I'm convinced in my almost 30 years of walking with the Lord that what I'm growing up in and learning all about is one thing. It's God's love. And then as I receive that from him for myself, I give it away to other people and love them in the same exact way that he has loved me. It's super simple. Super simple. The other night, Wendy and I were, were watching. Um, you guys probably get tired of me telling you all these stories about what we watched. But, you know, we're just, in, we, we're, we're learners. We want to grow. So we were watching this documentary on the Blue Zones. And if you haven't heard about this, it's a guy who went on this study around the world to these pocketed areas in various parts of the globe where there are uh, uh, the most dense population of what they call centurions are people that have lived over 100 years old. And so his point of going into these communities was like, wow, what's going on here that's causing all these people to have longevity of life? It was really interesting. One guy we were watching, I think he was in Costa Rica, he was like 105 years old, and he's riding a horse, and he's rounding up his cattle. Like, I mean, I'm just like, this, my mind just couldn't even comprehend this thing. 105, just like, looked like he was in his 50s. It was crazy. But amazing, amazing stuff. But the point of, of this comment or this illustration is there was two things that the guy found common in all these areas of the world. And the first one was that everybody was living with purpose. Every single person that had longevity of life is they were living with purpose. They felt a significance over who they were and what they were actually called to do with their lives. And they were living out of purpose. And then the second one was that they were living in community with other people and they had a sense of belonging. This was not a Christian program that we were watching. It's a guy that was intuitive and just wanted to go and study out how are people living longer in these different parts of the world, and he found that purpose and belonging or purpose and community were two major factors that contributed to the life that was flowing in them in the natural. Isn't that amazing? So here's what I want to do. I want to look at... A few verses between 14 and 20 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And what we're going to see here is there's kind of like a a sandwich effect. There's a a scripture that talks about us being one at the beginning here. And then the very scripture at the end talks about us being one. And whenever I see that in the word of God, the Lord says, I'm trying to show you guys something. I'm going to package some some truth between these two verses. There's going to be some meat in there that you need to, to, to be able to see and to recognize to help you to grow and to mature. And we need to do that together. So that's what my accomplishment I'm hoping to see happen this morning as we dive into the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you open our eyes to see that this is a season that you want to make us one and that you want to cause growth in the body as we all contribute, and that contribution makes us perfect in this thing called the love of God. Would you open up your word to us today in Jesus' name? Amen. So here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Paul is using the physical body, our physical body, as an illustration spiritually of this body called the church. 
okay? So just everybody has a context here. He's talking about the human body, but really what he's trying to get at is for us to have understanding as we look at the human body of what the church is all about, all right? And here's what he says. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but it is what? Many parts, all right? That have been mingled into one. So they're different They're unique, but there's no separation. There's no disconnection in the human body. Everything is linked together. Wendy and I, the other day, we were talking, we were walking in the park, and we were like, man, how could you not believe in God when you look at the design, even of the human body? It is one of the most profound things that that, that has ever been created, let alone all the other aspects of creation. There has to be a creator. There is intentionality behind the design. Intentionality behind the design to speak to us. And here's the basic thing here. The body cannot function unless it's connected. Could you imagine head off, arms off, legs off, you know, lung over here, and then we're going, okay, this is the body here, and, and isn't it such an amazing thing, and look at, look at it do its thing. <laughs> it's impossible, right? The body is connected, and it has to stay connected for it to actually function in its purpose, okay? So this is why it's so important for us, and we're going to see some statements in here that I think we should take note of and I think we should begin to practice. He begins to talk about how we need to recognize the importance of other parts and begin to honor those other parts and begin to to say even with our mouth, hey, I have need of these other parts for me to actually thrive in what I've been called to do as a part. Look what he says in verse 15. So if the foot were to say, since I'm not the hand... I'm not, the, I'm not a part of the body. He says it's forgetting that it's still a vital part of the body. I remember in COVID land, there's a lot of people that were deconstructing, going through a lot of stuff in some good ways and in some bad ways. And some people were disconnecting from corporate gatherings and stuff. And I understand the Lord's at work here and we're, be, we're aware of that. He's wanting to push the church into some directions to excel in ways that we haven't move out of religion and into relationship. I get all of that. But I would hear people say, well, I just don't go to church anymore. And I I wanted to say to them, you can't separate from the church. I'm not saying that in a religious way. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, you can't separate or be disconnected or isolated from the body and say, hey, I'm over here doing my thing with Jesus, and this is what's important. No, there's other aspects of Jesus in other people and one of the things that I found in this blue, blue study, blue zone study, is that you got to find your tribe. you got to find who you're going to run with. And that's not tribalism. I'm just saying, man, you got to find who you really feel connected to, what feels like home, and plant yourself in that, and walk through the ups and the downs and the goods and the bads. And trust me, at the end of the day, God will work it all out in the process. When you commit, commit. To journey in together with people for decades. As the Lord would have it. The body cannot function 
unless it's connected. And then he says in verse 16, he says, and if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm really not part of the body. It's forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. We need to honor and value each part. Now, Paul makes this crazy statement. He says, think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, can you imagine like a cyclops or whatever? I don't even know. It's not even more. It's more than that. It's like just an eyeball. Like, here we are, right? He says, how could that eyeball hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell fragrances? Now, let's come out of the clouds here for a minute. Let's pull this down and make that statement very practical. When you think about eye, what is that? That's vision. So, you know, the visionary, if you will, if you think in terms of fivefold giftings, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, prophet, you know, pastoral, teacher, like what happens is these people are made unique in a specific way. You carry this same thing on the inside of you in a specific way. But sometimes people that are all about vision that can see, they, have, they, they forget that it's not just about vision. It's not just about seeing what's next or what, what we're going to build down the road. Trust me, I've, I've, I've learned that myself. I am a visionary by nature. And God has taught me that it's a whole lot more than just going on to the next thing and building the next thing. God is after our hearts. He's after connection with him and connection with one another. And in this, in a truly authentic way, it's not just about vision. But then when you get to the ear, what is the ear? That's the listening ear. That's the prophetic that hears his voice and speaks that out. Some people that think it's all about the prophetic. It's not all about the prophetic. In fact, when it's all about the prophetic, things get weird. Okay, really weird. And it's not a good weird. The prophetic thinks it's a good weird, but it's not. It's a bad weird. I've seen it. I've been in this for 30 years. It it has to work together with vision. And there needs to be functionality collectively as a team when we start splintering off. Because listen, here's our our propensity. We want to hang out with people that are like us. I'm getting like hardly any amens on that point. Because you guys are so convicted right now. Because you know I'm I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) We, oh, I don't want to say this, but we watched another documentary We're going to fast Netflix during the 40 days, okay? But it was this thing about, you know, like these people that were giving each other ultimatums. You need to marry me. If you don't, I'm going to leave you. No, I didn't watch that one, okay? It was a different, was a Christian version of that, okay? But the point is, is that when they connected with the other person that they were going to, you know, see how good that relationship went, the other person was just like them, exactly like them. I, they matched it up, the personality types and everything like that. And listen, when you are with somebody that's just like you, it is awesome at the beginning. No problems. There's no objections. There's no conflict. But it's what makes it really bad, okay? I had a buddy that, that, that married a, a girl just like him, amazing couple. They're still married today. I don't know how. But anyhow, they're, they're still married today. But they liked sleeping in, and they didn't like cleaning their house, okay? 
Can you imagine agreement on that? And then you walking into that reality? I would go to their home like, ah, you know. I was not a neat freak myself until I married Wendy, okay? And so I needed her and what she brought to the table to help bring something out in me that I had capacity for. And we don't often want to submit ourselves to relationships that are different than us. And familiarity starts to breed contempt in that space. Oh, I've heard Darren, Mr. Visionary, talk about, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to take over the world. We're going to, I want to hear Juan. You know what I mean? (laughs) I want Juan to make me feel good. (laughs) Okay. Every time I listen to Darren, I just feel pain, okay? Like, I'm joking, I'm totally joking. The point is, is that, I remember we had a guy on our team, that it was, he, he was like as pastoral as they could be. He might have been like a walking Jesus Santa Claus everywhere he went. I wanted to go sit on his lap, you know what I mean? It was like one of those kind of guys. He just felt safe, everything was good, he just would sit and listen to you. The point is, I hated that guy, because I was... I was I was, he was so different. I'm totally kidding, okay? My wife is rebuking me, correcting me right now in the front row. Women keep silent in the church. Okay. This is going, no, this is. Hey, I think it's about time for lunch. Okay, let's. (laughs) That last statement is the farthest thing that I believe from women. I just want you to know that. I actually think their voices need to be heard way more. Just not Wendy's today. Come on, somebody. Okay. Anyhow, I'm just... Uh, my anniversary is shot right now. <laughs> but if you think... Why did I bring up that illustration about my friend? If you think about the nose, it's like it, it's able to smell fragrances. It's able to see beauty in people and in things. To stand with people through their difficulty and their process and their junk and their stuff. All three of these things we need working together. Yeah, we should have a plan on where we're going. Yes, should we be hearing the Lord confirming what God is telling us to do? But we need that pastoral component in there to walk through the ups and downs with people when it doesn't look like they're where we think we sh- they, we, they should be. This is all important, all massive. So we need to honor the value of of each part. Wrapping this up, I said this already, but we must understand that there's diversity in his design. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He says, God has designed carefully each member and placed it in a body. He's talking about a church, and that may you may be in a church for a season, God may move you somewhere else. The point is that he's put you in a community to function as he desires. Not how we desire, how he desires. And you'll, you'll find that his desire for you will actually align with who you actually are and it will bring you great joy to serve him in that way. Even if you don't feel that in the beginning. Look what he says in verse 19. He, he's trying to bring this home about diversity. He says, a diversity is required... For the body consistent, if the for if the body consists of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. Listen, I want to tell you this: this God will like use all kinds of circumstances to get you to appreciate diversity. Okay, I. 
don't know if I want to admit this or not, but I'm going to do it. I'm already blew it already in a hundred ways this morning. So it's not another non-Netflix documentary. Okay. So, but I was raised in Montana as a kid. Um, I think the total population of the state is like 500,000 people. And then there's like another 500,000 sheep that live there. Okay. Come on, you guys work with me here. Okay. Let's work with me. In my hometown, there was only white people. When I got a scholarship to university, South Carolina, I was put into a sweet mate situation with, I'm just going to say it, with a very racist white dude from Camden, South Carolina, and then another two guys, um, Nigel Stoddard from uh, Raleigh, Durham, and no, Nigel was from Jamaica. Chris Love was from Raleigh, Durham. God baptized me in that moment in diversity, and it was awesome. It was awesome. And I thought I understood diversity until I moved to South Florida. I mean, black and white, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's, we're just scratching the surface. When you get down here and you get amidst, like, I think it's 178 different cultures in South Florida. Did you know that? Oh, I don't like the diversity. It's, oh, it's too crazy. Too many people from all over the, the place. No, you're missing the perspective. There is something so beautiful here for us to learn about diversity that will grow you out of your small little thinking of where you came from. Where God wants to work in the midst. Yes, it's complex. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it can be challenging. But I want to see unity amidst diversity. God wants to see unity amidst diversity. He doesn't want us siloed off in our little tribalism camps. He wants us to be brought together where we see, man, I want to hear your story of what it was like to grow up in the Caribbean. I want to hear what it's like for your story to come from Africa, Wilson and Alice, and move to America. I want to grow from your experience. I want to understand God through the lens and how you see him. Everybody's story is beautiful, even if it's messy. Your journey matters. God has value over your life with everything that you've went up and down and came through, and people need to hear about your story. We need to make space. When you sit and go out with somebody, don't say a word yourself. Ask them, tell me your story. Learn from people. Now, man, this little Montana boy has been to over 40 different countries from around the world. Like, I, can, I know how now to go into different cultures and navigate those spaces. I have tremendous value for every tribe, tongue, and nation around the globe. And I am so thankful to Jesus that he privileged me to have these opportunities. Okay, Keneal, as you guys come back up, um, verse 20, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to skip over some of this. We see that there's different parts functioning as one. That's where he kind of wraps it up. But he goes on this monologue, and I want you to study it out for yourself. In the monologue, he starts talking about the weaker part. This is really important for someone in this room to hear. You may feel like you're in... 
a state of weakness right now with what you bring to the table as it relates to his kingdom. If that's you, there is something far more beautiful and far more valuable about you than you even realize. He tells them the weaker part is actually the most essential part. But what do we do in our country, in our culture? I'm just talking gringo American culture. It's all about the powerful, the vocal, the gifted, the successful. What if his kingdom was about the meek and the broken and the one in need of God, the one who felt like, I don't know if I have anything to bring to the table. God's worked with those kind of people throughout history to do some of the most amazing things. What about our respect for these kinds of people? He says the part that we least respect deserves the greatest honor. What do we do when someone comes in these doors and we begin to do community with them? We see weakness and we see issues and we see brokenness. Do you respect them as ones created in the image of God with great potential or do you disdain their story? We can't say, I need you, but I don't need you. You can't say that can't pick and choose. I want to end just by getting vulnerable for a minute. I had a very, very difficult week. And outside of the Lord preparing me, which is another story, I don't know if I could have made it personally as a leader through this week. I got a call Monday from the wife of a dear friend, a fellow minister of the gospel, husband of a fellow minister of the gospel. And it was a crisis moment. And you don't know when these calls are going to come, but unfortunately they come. She's like, I need, I, she just couldn't even get the words out. She's like, I, I, need, I need you to help me right now. She tried to call Wendy, called me afterwards. I picked up, so I beelined it to the hospital. Her husband, Alan, I'm going to put a picture of the two of them up so you know who I'm talking about, Alan and Eva Walker. Alan moved here with us when he was 21 years old. He wasn't married to Eva yet. They eventually got married. They came actually here to go and do ministry on the mission field because they had been working with an orphanage in Ukraine, which we still are in relationship to this day. And then they saw that this was their field. So they planted themselves here to give themselves to family ministry and they begin to get into foster care and had 45 different foster children come through their house. They ended up adopting five kids and then had two miracle babies at the end because she couldn't get pregnant up to that point. Served here for 20 years. He got ALS some years ago and in 2020 he had to come off staff because his health just couldn't sustain we kept, we kept connected to him nothing changed in our hearts this isn't about staff or no staff this isn't about coming to harbor all the time or not being able to come a lot of the time it's about family 
So Eva told me he hadn't been feeling good. She went to get him, help get him up for the morning. His lungs collapsed and he passed out and she had to call 911. So as God's beautiful mercy and grace, I was just minutes from the hospital. So I got there right after they had gotten him in. And Eva was there. Let me tell you, when you walk into that kind of an atmosphere, you need Jesus. They had revived him, got his heart beating, I guess in a, in a good, um, what is the rhythm called? Uh, yeah, good rhythm. Uh, but he was innovated because he needed help breathing. That's all we knew. Tuesday, I'm ending this. The doctor came in, the neurologist, and he said, Mrs. Walker, I don't know how to tell you this, but your husband's heart, yes, we got it restarted, but it was unable to be restarted for 23 minutes. All blood flow from his heart to his brain was cut off. And unfortunately, there's no activity at all. So, so today, at 1.30, we're going to be leaving out right after this gathering. We're going to go to the hospital. We're going to stand with my friend and his wife, who's my friend, as he's taken from his room and brought down the hall where we'll stand on both sides and we're going to honor him in his final act of love to give his vital organs to somebody in need so that they can have life. I think about, like, I've just been reflecting, like, here's a guy and a, and a lady who connected themselves in to a community for real. It wasn't all pretty, trust me. We went through a lot of challenges and things. We've journeyed together. But he gave himself saw value in other people. And here he is, his last act on earth outside of a miracle today is to give one final act of love to somebody else. I won't put this up, but Paul says, need to look after each other. When one member begins to suffer, we all should suffer. When one member is honored, we all should rejoice. We don't do either of those very well, unfortunately. But that's where God wants to grow us. When one suffers, we all suffer. When someone is successful and honored, we rejoice with them. Because that's the way Jesus would have us to do it. So what I want you to do, I want you to pull out your communion. Thank you, baby. Jesus was speaking of his body, which was broken for us. Can you imagine like how the enemy... We know this, and you guys got to hear this. The 
enemy wants to break you. He wants to shame you. He wants to wipe you out. He'll use, he, he doesn't fight fair. He, does, he uses anything and everything to do that. But in the brokenness of his body, he took it all on himself. We, he says, have been made whole. In the spilling of his blood, we have been redeemed. And in this act of belief, We've been brought into unity with the Godhead. We've been made one with God. And beyond that, we've been made one with each other. So could we, in honor of my friend, could we take and could we sit and could we remember all the beauty that God's done in our life and as his precious family is at that hospital even now, hurting could we just take a moment here today as we take and eat of the body and drink of the blood could we pray for them could we extend our hearts to Coral Springs Medical Center right now and just take Lord we eat of you even in brokenness there's healing We have no fear. Somebody needs to hear this. We have no fear because perfect love casts out all fear. As we drink of this precious, perfect blood that was sinless, without fault, and took upon the sin of the world, past, present, and future was spilled from his side and fell into the earth. Redemption began that day. And Lord, as we drink, we ask that the loss of a life that now is giving life to others would just be a symbolic picture of a momentous time in our history and our journey that you would get the recompense of what you deserve through a life laid down over two decades and that we would follow in Alan's footsteps and that we would lay our lives down and we would not be afraid because you have won it all Lord Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.